name is Michael Tuck, and I'm the associate pastor here at Bacon's Castle Baptist Church. We are a local church in Surrey, Virginia, dedicated to making disciples of Jesus Christ. This is the weekly podcast that we put out for our local church family and the church as a whole. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. All right, so Moses is dead, and Joshua is the man. He's the next in line to take over the the reins of leadership in Israel. And this is the man that God has chosen. And uh, the book of Joshua begins with God's commission to Joshua. And as he commissions Joshua, he also, I believe, tells him how to be successful in what it is that God is going to ask him to do. There's actually four challenges, I believe, in these opening verses of Joshua, for Joshua. But I want to lift them up, and I want to I lift them out, if you would, and I want to apply them to our lives. I want to tell you and me how we can be successful, and how we can be successful from God's perspective. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But before we actually look at the text in Joshua, let me catch us up. Uh, to where we are, or how we got to where we are in the text this morning. Now, and I realize that many of you have grown up following Jesus. You've been raised in Christian homes. You've been studying the Bible your whole life. But maybe there's somebody here who doesn't know this. So just be patient for a few moments, and let me, uh, me kind of catch us up historically. If we go back uh, years, hundreds of years actually, God specifically chose a man. He chose him unconditionally. He didn't choose him because the man was pretty or the man was great or powerful or anything like that. He chose this man unconditionally, and his name was Abraham. And uh, he said to Abraham, he said, listen, um, I'm going to choose you, and what I'm going to do for you and in you is I'm going to make a great nation out of you. Your your descendants will be like as many as the stars, and I'm going to make a a powerful nation out of you, and uh, and I'm going to raise you up, and I'm going to give you this specific land in which to live. That might seem unfair to us that God would unconditionally choose this man like he did, but God goes on and he tells him why he chose him. And he said, I'm choosing you because I am going to bless all the nations of the world through you. I'm going to take you, Abraham. My my hand's going to be on you. I'm going to bless you. And out of you is going to come this blessing for all the nations of the world. In fact, I'm, I'm choosing you to bring goodness to the world. And of course, we know today, thousands of years looking back on that, we know what God meant. He meant that out of Abraham's family would come Jesus. And out of Abraham's family would come this one who would live and die for us so that the wages of sin, which is death, could be met in him and we get to live forever. We get to have eternal life. And so that's the blessing that God promised. And so God raises up Abraham and he says, out of you is going to come, out of your family is going to come this, uh, this Savior for the world. Now it's unfortunate, but at the same time that he did that, he told uh, Abraham some bad news, and he said, listen, I hate to tell you this. I don't know if he said, I hate to tell you this, but he, but he told him some bad news. He said, listen, your people are going to be held captive for 400 years. Uh, and I don't know if he told him in the land of Egypt or not, but he said, hey, they're going to be held captive for 400 years, and after that I'm going to bring you out of captivity. And that's exactly what happened. Famine led the people of Israel, this 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 new nation that was forming, led them down to Egypt, and for the next 400 years, they would end up being in captivity to Egypt. 
But just like God promised, at the end of 400 years, he raised up one of Abraham's great-great-great-great-grandsons, Moses, to lead them back out of Egypt and out of slavery and back up to the promised land, to this land that God had said is going to be yours. So that's what's happened. Moses has come along. He's led them out of captivity, out of Moses, and they've gone to the promised land. They're standing on, they're standing on the edge of the promised land, getting ready to go in under Moses. Sad commentary, though. Israel stood there, probably two million people large in number, and they get afraid. They're afraid to go in. They're afraid of the people. They're afraid of what they've seen in this land that's that's been promised to them by God. They're afraid of the the cities and the people, all kinds of stuff. And uh, so God, because they're asking us to obey God, God said, for the next 40 years, you're going to wander in this desert, and you're not going into the land. And I am going to literally, he says, I'm, basically, I'm going to kill off this entire adult generation that uh, stood on the edge and was unwilling to put their faith in me. He said, I'm going to kill all of you off. And that's exactly what happens. Over the next 40 years, that whole generation of people die. And uh, as they die... Um, the, the years pass. Now they're back at the promised land again. And as they're at the promised land again, they're standing on the verge of going in. But this time, Moses isn't with them. Moses has died, and God has raised up J- Joshua. God has raised up Joshua to... Um, sorry, I lost my train of thought. God has raised up Joshua to replace uh, Moses. Now, Joshua had been 20 years old in Egypt. He'd been 40 years, as we said last week, 40 years of being Moses' assistant in the wilderness. God took 60 years, if you would, to prepare Joshua for this moment of leading the people into the land that he had promised Abraham's family uh, centuries earlier. Now, some of you might feel sort of like uh, maybe Joshua, that you're not exactly sure what you're doing right now. I want you to remember this. This is just kind of an extra side point. I want you to remember that, you know, you may not be where you want to be. You may not be where you think you ought to be, but God may be preparing you for something in the future. And I definitely want to say that to our younger people. I talked a lot last week about how God is not, you, you, God's not saving you for the future necessarily. God wants to use you now. That is true. But, but God has plans, I, I believe, for so many of his people. In Ephesians, it tells us that God has works prepared for us to walk in them, right? And so God may have works prepared for you to walk in in the future. And, and Luke, God may be preparing you today for those walks in the future, all right? So be like Joshua. Be faithful at where you are for the moment when God puts you in some place special where he wants to use you. Well, that brings us to where we are in the book of Joshua. We're at the edge of the promised land, and God is speaking to Joshua. So if you have your Bibles, let's look there. Joshua chapter 1. We're going to read the first nine verses. It says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I am giving, uh, giving the Israelites. I have given you every place where your soul, the sole of your foot, treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness and Lebanon to the great river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and the, uh, and the west to the, to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you 
or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore uh, to their ancestors to give, them a, to give to them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from, from it to the right or to the left so that you'll have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to observe everything written in it, for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. As I mentioned to you just a moment ago, I believe that this is God's call on Joshua as he's getting ready to enter the land. And illustrated in this exchange between God and Joshua is a prescription for success for him. Now, I want to lift that prescription of success for him, and I want to apply it to us. Now, you may not think that's legit, and, and maybe it's not, but, but I believe it is. I believe we can lift the things that God says to Joshua, and we can apply them to our lives. And I really want to give you some things this morning that will make you successful. But before I actually start into that, I don't want to sound like some other preachers who are just all about entrepreneurial success or business success or money success. I'm actually not even talking about that kind of success, okay? Now, I think the things that I'm going to share with you can lead to success in those areas as well. That's really not what I'm talking to you about. I want to talk to you this morning about how you and I can be successful before God. I want to share with you four things that I believe every one of us sitting here this morning uh, listening to me, I, I, I believe you can be successful before God if you will apply these four things to your life. So I, I don't know about you. I, I do know about many of you. You want to hear God say one day, well done, Jimmy. Well done, John. Well done, Susie. Well done, Ann. You, you want to hear God say, you did a good job with the time and the life that I gave you. And so I'm going to tell you, I think, how we need what we need to do in order to hear that one day. Hey, you were you were you were successful, Jimmy. Well done. All right. So let's just dive in. Here's the first one. To be successful before God, I think we need to have a clear understanding of God's assessment. I mean, of God's assignment for our life. If I'm going to be successful, I need to know what it is that God desires for me to do. What's expected of my life? My father used to say. Uh, pretty regularly, I think, to me anyway, maybe to all my brothers, aim at nothing and you'll hit it every time. In other words, if, if we don't aim at anything, we're just, we're not going to accomplish anything. But who wants to accomplish nothing, right? In other words, in order to be success, successful, my father's little idiom used to say, you have to aim at something. And I, I believe that's true here. And that's what we have in this text. We have God telling Joshua, this is what your assignment is. This is what you need to do. Moses has died. Your assignment is to take the people into the land and then distribute it the way I've said I wanted it done. Let me read the verse. It's about verse 5 and 6. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan and to the land that I am giving the Israelites and you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give to them as an inheritance. That was Joshua's assignment to lead the people into the promised land. Now, uh, how, do, how does he measure success? By doing it, right? His assignment was clear. 
But can I say this, and I know you're already all thinking it. Luke already stated it up here, but so did Micah in a way. You know, it was really clear for Joshua what his assignment was, wasn't it? Hey, take the people into the promised land. But when I think about myself, God's assignment on me is not always quite so clear and easy to discern. Luke said, I'm not sure what's next. Micah said, I'm not sure what's next. I can, I can remember being their age. Can you believe that? I, can still, I know I remember so little, but I can remember being their age and remember how it felt to not know what it is that I'm supposed to do with my life. Now, some of you haven't experienced that. Joseph doesn't, Joseph doesn't have that problem. He, he already has a real sense of what he's supposed to do with his life. But I didn't have that. It took a while to grow into that. So I want to acknowledge that it's not always easy to know what God's assignment is for you. But I think it's important for us to be successful before him is to understand what that assignment is. Marshall, I'm, I'm going to take some liberty here. Uh, but I want to tell everybody that Marshall retired from the Navy uh, this past, uh, past week, right? Now, I mean, that, that retirement won't come, to pass, uh, won't come to pass for a couple of months, I guess, or whatever, how long it is. But, but he's retired from the Navy, and, and he and I were talking, and again, I should have asked you this, so forgive me. I'm going to do it anyway, right? But Marshall and I was talking, and we're talking, and he said, you know, I'm not sure what's next, what God's assignment is for me. Well, I, I think a lot of us feel that. But I think it's important for us to try to figure that out in order to be successful before God. Well, I, I do want to tell you an assignment that God has for every single one of you. And I say this with absolute certainty, with absolute conviction. This is God's assignment for all of us. Here it is. You ready? It is be like Jesus. Now, I realize that there's an assignment for specifics in my life. What do I do vocationally? What do I do ministry-wise? But here's an overarching assignment for all of us. And it's this, be like our Savior. Paul tells us in the book of Romans, he says, your assignment is to be conformed to the image of Jesus. I mean, everybody here listening to me, if you're listening on live stream, your assignment is to be like Jesus. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is things like this. Be like Jesus, love like Jesus loved. Be truthful like Jesus was truthful. Be good like Jesus was. Be, be a listener like Jesus was. Be dependent on God like Jesus was. Trust the Word of God like Jesus did. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but I think you get my point. The assignment that, hey, how do I have success before God? Be clear in His assignment. I, I want to make at least part of His assignment to all of us really clear. It's for you to be like Jesus. Paul goes on and he says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed to what? Go back earlier in the same book. Transformed into the image of Jesus. Change into the image of Jesus. It's not acceptable, everyone, for us to say, I follow Jesus and never be changed to be like him. To still be selfish, to still be arrogant, to still be prideful, to still be greedy, to still be lustful. It's not It's not. It's not right. We need to be changed into His image. So here's a clear assignment for you so that you can take something away and apply it to your life today. You need to be like Jesus. And on the other things, like Joshua had a clear assignment, hey, go and take the land, distribute it. That was his assignment. You've got some specific assignment too. Seek the Lord on that. Pray. 
I mean, ask, ask people in, uh, in authority over you, people who are over you that love you, people that know you. I mean, seek the Lord. Find out what it is that God desires of you. All right, number two, be confident in God's promises. I, I, I think I love this one the most. He says, jo, uh, God says to Joshua, I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I think I love this promise so much because it's the same promise our Joshua gave to us. Yeah, if you didn't know that, the word Jesus is a transliteration of the Hebrew word Yeshua, which is the word Joshua. Why we have two English words for the same, for the same Hebrew word, I, I don't know. But Joshua and Jesus, Jesus are the same names in, in Hebrew. And so God gave that Yeshua, he gave that Joshua this promise, and that our Joshua, our Jesus, gave us that very same promise. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. He said, I'll always be with you, even to the ends of the age. How do you have success in life? Well, you have a clear assignment from God, and you know this, you depend on this. You trust this. God is never going to leave you. Jesus is never going to abandon you. He's always going to be there to help you be successful. Every assignment comes with this promise from God. I've got your back. I'm going to be with you. Now, the question is, what does that mean that he's going to be with us in, in whatever we do? Does that mean that we cannot fail at what we do? Does that mean it's always going to go our way? Whatever we're choosing to do, it's always going to go our way because we have success. We can be successful before God because Jesus is never going to abandon us. Or does, does that mean things like uh, Jesus will always rush in at the last moment and save the day, right? Is that what that means? So I need to tell you that's not what it means. As you know, some of my kids foster, foster parent. And they recently, in the last six months or so, maybe longer, they discovered that the children they were fostering were not safe and not being protected when they were away from them. And so they went to the authorities. And what they found was that the authorities chose not to care about the safety of the children. And uh, my daughter and I, my daughter-in-law and I were sitting there talking this past weekend, and she said, I just knew, I just knew that Jesus was going to swoop in at the last moment, like, like, the, like the Lone Ranger on silver, and he was going to rescue those kids. But it didn't happen. Instead, the authorities turned against my children and removed the foster children from them, and, and I say from us because they'd been with us for a year and a half. Lindsay and I spoke together. We even cried together. I did most of the crying over what it means that Jesus is with us because she's had to take a step back and say, what does it mean that Jesus isn't going to leave me and he's not going to desert me and he's going to walk with me? What does that mean? Because it obviously doesn't mean he's going to swoop in and make everything right that's wrong at the last minute. And of course, you know, I know that and you know that. So we were talking and, and we were saying, what does that mean that Jesus is with me? And um, so here, here's what I want to share with you, what we think that means. We think that means that whatever you're going through, Jesus sees your pain. I mean, he's, he's always, when you're hurting, whenever you're going through whatever, Jesus is, is with you. To all my brothers and sisters out there 
live stream because I've been watching your live streams. I want to say to my brothers and sisters of color, you know, Jesus knows your pain. I may not understand it. I may not get it. But Jesus knows your pain. He's going to walk with you. He's always with you. He sees. He knows. He weeps. But I want to say something else. He does more than that. Even though I am not, I don't believe, I want to say to you categorically, Jesus does not always swoop in and fix it and make it always right at the end. He does not do that. But I want to tell you that he does more than just weep with me and be with me. Here's what he does. He does more in that he gives my heart hope when my world is crashing around me. He gives my heart hope that one day he's going to fix all the wrongs. And I tell you what else he does. He gives me power to not despair. And he gives me his person so that I can walk in joy when everything around me is saying, don't be joyful, be despairing, be lacking hope. He sustains us in the middle of this. And this is how we can always be successful before God because no matter what's happening in our life, He is there to help us, to empower us, to sustain us, to direct us. He's going to walk with me in that even though it doesn't mean He's always going to turn it out right. Even in the story of Joshua and in the chapters that come, we will see where not everything will turn out right. You know, because of decisions that Joshua and others make. Number three. So we've said, hey, to be successful before God, you need to have a clear, a clear understanding of what the assignment is that God has for you in your life. You need to have this, this absolute conviction in his, uh, or confidence in his promises. Here's the third thing. You need to be determined in God's directive. All right, so let me, let me explain what I mean by that. Three times in the text, God repeats this, be strong and courageous. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. Verse 7, above all, be strong and very courageous. Verse 9, haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. I heard somebody say either God's very forgetful or he stutters, or this is something that he really wants people to get. He really wants, not people, excuse me, he really wants Joshua to get Hey, I'm giving you a directive, and that directive is to be strong and courageous, and you need to be determined to be strong and courageous. I told you all last week, and, and it's true, Joshua already has proven himself to be a man of courage. He led the battle against, uh, against Ai, no, Achan. He led the battle against Achan there at the beginning. He went into the, to spy out the land. He came back confident in what God was going to... Joshua was already a man of courage. So why is God focused on this? Because he knows this is something we need to be successful in life. We need to be filled with strength and courage. God's assignments to us are not always, they don't always mesh with our personalities. You know, uh, sometimes he asks us to do things that just, you know, don't really fit with who I am. And, and so, for instance, Moses. Moses is the greatest illustration of this, assuming he's telling the truth. God says, I want you to go back and I want you to lead the people out. You're going to go to Pharaoh. And you remember what Moses, his immediate response was, you've got the wrong guy. You have the wrong guy. Why did he have the wrong guy? Moses kept saying, because I can't talk. I can't talk in public. I, 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 uh, I, I, I stutter. I can't talk in public. And God, said, God got a little bit irritated in him. With him, because God, God's call and assignment in our life doesn't always mesh with my personality and who I am. And so, a lot of times, 
to be successful, to do what God desires of us. I mean, it takes courage to do that. It takes courage to step out beyond the way you're wired. Be successful is always going to require you to stretch yourself, for you to step out of your comfort zones. Luke, I appreciate you stepping out of your comfort zone to come and share with us about, about your future. I found it kind of strange because you did so good. You do so good on our announcements. You never seem nervous there. But I guess it's just Michael watching you, right? So, uh, but anyhow, you know, we're always going to have to step out of our comfort zones, every one of us. And the reason that we can do that, the reason we can be strong, the reason we can be filled with courage is because Jesus is going to be right there with us, walking with us. Actually, he's going to be strengthening us. Listen to what God says in, in Isaiah. He says, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Isaiah 12, 2. Here's another one. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I'll strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with my righteous right hand. We don't have to be afraid because God is going to help us. What we need to do is be faithful. We need to be determined in this declaration that God has made to us that we can be strong and courageous and do whatever he wants us to do. I've watched, I, I, tried to, I tried to think about the years gone by, and I watched many of you step out and over your fears. And you went to the Congo, and you went to Trinidad, and you went to Azerbaijan, and uh, you went and stayed a year on a ship. And you stepped out over things that were fear-inducing. You stepped over those fears to be faithful to the determination that God had laid before you. And, and that's what we're talking about. Stepping over the fear of failure. Stepping over the fear of rejection or the fear of the unknown, that's what will make us be successful before God. That's what's going to one day cause God to say, Jimmy, you did a good job. You stepped over your fears to be faithful to me, to the things that I desired of you. And so I really want to challenge you all to step over those fears, to be determined to be faithful even in fear. And that brings us to the last one. And... Uh, I'm the only one, well, I was going to say I'm the only one in the sun, but I'm not. I see some people in the back. Scoot up in the shade if you want. But anyway, um, here's the last one. Be faithful to God's word. Success or failure before God is tied to our relationship to truth. And it's tied to our faithfulness to God's word. That, that's how we can be successful. That's how we can hear that well done one day, is being true and being faithful to what God has declared. Look at verse 7. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction of my servant Moses. That my servant Moses commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may, be caref so that you may carefully observe everything written in it for then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Now, here God specifically says to be successful before God one day it's, it's going to be tied to our commitment to his truth or to his, to his book, to his word. Now, some of you probably thought of this. Maybe some of you didn't. But did you find it strange that Moses ends back up at the promised land, but he's dead and he doesn't get to walk in there? Maybe a lot of you already know why he didn't get to go in. But let me tell you why he didn't get to go. He didn't get to go in because he was unfaithful to God's word. We might say, well, God, that was kind of harsh. I mean, he just blew it that one time or just blew it once or twice, you know. But, but I think God was making a point. If you want to be successful, 
You need to be faithful to my word. Moses, there towards the end, they needed water. And uh, God said to Moses, go speak to that rock and water is going to come out of that rock. Moses goes over there and in his anger takes his staff, beats the rock twice and says, hey, we're going to give you water. Takes credit for the water coming out of the rock. God later on tells him, you know, because of that, you're not going to get to go into the promised land. You're going to die before you get to go in. You know, uh, we must be faithful to God. There's consequences for not being faithful to God's word. There's three primary relationships that God says to Joshua in his, in his faithfulness to God's word. I want you to see them. There's three primary relationships to this, to this word that Moses had left. Look at, look at them with me. The first one is speak the word. He says, let the word not depart from your mouth. Speak it. Success before God, I think, is determined by our willingness to speak truth and for the truth to be on our lips. If we want to hear God's well done, then we need to be we want to be successful before God. We need to be constantly speaking truth. And, and honestly, I think this is where courage comes in because, you know, it's really hard to speak truth. And, and the point of contention, that's where it's really hard to speak. It takes courage to speak up to the issue, you know, at hand. If all your coworkers are talking about abortion or racism or divorce or poverty or living together or materialism or whatever, and the, you need to let the Word of God be on your lips to speak to those issues. Now, listen, what I'm not talking about, what I'm not talking about is getting on your Facebook behind your screen with, with, a, with a keyboard and blasting people with truth on your Facebook. I am not talking about that. I am also not talking about you and me being self-righteous or making a nu nuisance of ourselves, or being insensitive or mean-spirited. I'm not talking about any of that. I'm talking about us being willing to engage people around us with questions and with kindness and listening to them. And then as I listen, gaining opportunity and the right and the privilege to speak into them the Word of God. But I have to speak into the, I have to speak the Word of God. It's not enough for me to sit in the office and listen to all kinds of stuff that's not true and not, and not speak up for the Word of God. And, and you know, let's, let's take Israel and let's apply it. Israel is a culture unto itself. It's supposed to be God's people. This might, if I really wanted a one-on-one -on -one correlation, I would say that what God says to Joshua would apply to us within the church. We need to speak up within the church, the truth of the Word of God, right, within the church. But, but I, would, I would say that God would want us to speak it into the cultures around us as well. Again, I just want you to hear me. I'm not talking about us pontificating truth from a platform where we're speaking down at people. I'm talking about us one-on-one, -on -one, shoulder to shoulder, chair to chair, across the table with a, coffee, with a cup of coffee with people talking about about these issues and, and giving God's perspective from, from His Word. The second thing, the second relationship to the Word. Notice he says, meditate upon the Word. You shall meditate on it day and night. The reason you can proclaim the Word of God and it can always be on your lips is because you've stored it in your life. It's, in, it's the background music of your life. It's always playing back there because you're always meditating on the Word of God. My neighbors, my neighbors have cows. My neighbors have cows. And so Ann and I have been walking, and we walk by the cows almost every day. 
And most of the time the cows are standing out there eating grass, but every once in a while you'll go by and they'll be laying down. And when you look at the cows while they're laying down, they're chewing. So they're chewing something in their mouth. And you probably all know it's gross. It's really gross. But they have more than one stomach. And they chew the grass and they swallow it. And then later on in the cool of the afternoon in the shade, they bring it up and they chew it all over again, right? Sounds pretty gross. I, I read that they have four stomachs. I don't know if that's true or not. Is that true, Matt? Do they have four stomachs? Micah? Uh, how many stomachs they have, they bring it up and they keep chewing it over and over again. That's called ruminating. Well, ruminating is an awful, awful lot like uh, meditating. Meditating, not quite so gross though, but it's when we take the Word of God and we just bring it up and we think on it and we, we, we mull it over in our minds and we ask God, how does this apply to our life? And we just keep bringing it up and going over it and over it and over it again. And, I'm, and I'm, I'm, I'm really happy to tell you that for the last, I don't know, six to ten years of my life, I have been meditating on the Word of God. I've been meditating on subjects from the Word of God. And I listen over and over and over again to the point that my wife gets tired. And I listen and I think and I listen and I think because I'm saying, God, I really want to understand what the truth is here. Too many of us just read and swallow we read and swallow. And again, I'm not trying to say anything bad about reading and just moving on. But that's, that's not how we have success according to what God told Joshua. He says, listen, your success is going to be tied to your relationship to truth and to this book. And the book is obviously Moses writ, wrote down. It's probably the first five books of the Bible. But, uh, but Moses had written it down and God says to Joshua, your success is going to be tied to the fact that Number one, this, these words are on your lips. You're speaking about this. But number two, you are meditating. You are thinking about this. You are trying to determine how it applies to your life. And he notice he says this, immerse yourself in the book. Meditate on it day and night. Yeah, I just really want to encourage you. I, I want to be successful. And so I'm seeking to meditate on truth that I don't understand so that I might get a clear understanding of what God is saying. And the third, the third relationship to the word that, that God says to Joshua, he says, obey God's word. Obey the, the book that Moses has written out of my word. Care, he says, carefully observe everything written in it. Now here's the truth, everyone. Part one and part two, they don't mean anything if part three's not there. You can talk about the Bible. You can talk about God's word all you want. You, you can... Um, you can meditate on it, but then if you walk away and you're not willing to bring your life under subjection to that book and that Word of God, then you won't be successful. We have to obey the Word of God. Hypocrisy is a snare for those of us who follow Jesus because we say we follow Jesus. And what that means is we're supposed to follow Jesus, but it's real easy for us to be hypocritical and say we follow Jesus, but don't follow him. Listen to Matthew 15, Jesus speaking. You hypocrites, and he was talking about following God. You hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Jesus also said to us as followers, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? To be successful before God, everyone, our, our talk, our walk must match our talk, or vice versa, you know, our, our talk must match our walk. 
You know, that's what I said earlier. We need to just have the Word of God on our lips, right? We, we need to walk out what we say we believe. And there is no, listen, there is no causal relationship between giftedness and holiness. Now see, make sure you follow this. Here's what I mean. Some of you are extremely gifted by God. You're gifted at all kinds of things. You've got many of the spiritual gifts and, and many of just natural talents. There is no causal relationship between you being gifted and you being holy. There two, you can be the most gifted person in the world, have the most influential ministry, this great and awesome ministry, and, and that doesn't guarantee you're going to follow after Jesus and be holy. I mean, we see it all the time, all around us. Pastors, men and women, prominent ministries crumble because this very gifted person rises up and their ministry rises up and all the rest, but inside they're not being faithful and the ministry collapses. But don't misunderstand. I mean, all of us stumble. All of you sitting here, some of you may have stumbled really big this week. And because we don't know it, I mean, you're sitting there in shame before God, but you're not shamed before us because nobody knows it. But, uh, but you know it. And so you're like, wow, I'm, I'm, I'm a stumbler. We all stumble. We all stumble. I'm not trying to say, I, I'm not one of these that believe we can somehow reach perfection. I believe we should always be getting better and growing stronger, being more mature, more like Christ, right? But we're all going to stumble. I believe we're going to stumble at times. And, uh, but that, the fact that we stumble is all the more reason to listen to what God said to Joshua. Be careful. Be careful to do all that I've written in my book for you so that you can be successful, have prosperity before me. That's what he says. I'm done. I, I want to say to all of you this morning, I want to be successful before God. And here's one thing, something else I want. I want you to be successful before God. Every one of us here today, I want us to be successful before God. I want all of us. Can I say that as a church family? I want all of us to be successful before God. For that to happen, here's four things. We've got to have a clear understanding of what that means, what our assignment is. And, and, and even if we're struggling with our ministry assignment or vocational assignments, you know, that, that overarching sign, assignment of being like Jesus, that, that's, that's it, everyone. You know, tag that in your phones. Meditate on that, but that's what God's assignment is for you, to be like his son. And, and then, you know, we need to have a clear understanding of that, but we have to have a dependence on the promises of God. Man, I hope you can depend on him. I hope you do depend on him. I hope you trust his promises. He's going to never leave you. He's going to be with you. He's going to help you. He's going to carry you. Doesn't mean it's always going to turn out the way you want. It doesn't turn out the way you want sometimes. But he's going to be with you. He's going to carry you. He's going to give you the strength that you need. And you need to be determined to not let fear stumble you. Be strong and courageous. And then, again, reiterating his last thing is there. Our success before God is dependent upon our commitment, relationship, conviction uh, to his word. Our love of it, our trust in it, our proclamation of it, our searching in it, and mostly our living it out. So I'd like to end with this question for all of us on live stream or those of you sitting here this, uh, this morning. You know, are you willing with me today to follow the Lord to success 
by following the prescription that he gave Joshua, and I think he gives us. Let's pray. Father God, Lord Jesus, Spirit, we come before you as your sons and daughters, and we just say we want to be successful before you. We know, Lord, that in and of ourselves, Lord, we're flawed and broken and frail, and we recognize, Lord, we stumble in all four of these points. But we're grateful, Spirit, that you're with us, that you're not going to leave us, that you're going to strengthen us to be successful so that one day we can hear you say, well done, Jimmy, well done, good and faithful servant to every one of us. Lord, just we thank you for that. Uh, thank you for this uh, clear clear uh, clear path to success before you. Thank you for giving us what's needed. Spirit, would you fall on us right now and would you just bring conviction, Lord, to where we're not being successful if we're not? Lord, would you give us the grace to own it that we're not being successful right now? And, and Lord, would you give us the grace by your Spirit to change our hearts? Would you change our hearts in this very minute? Lord, would you help us to have the courage to confess our sins to one another, to own up, Lord, to maybe where we're, we're stumbling in any one of these areas, so that, Lord, by your grace, you might change us and, and, and help us, even cause us to be the successful person before you, Lord. Would you, would you grant us that, I ask, in Jesus' name. Father, don't let us leave this morning and just uh, let all this kind of flow down the river of time and, and just not be on our heart. Lord, would you help us today, even, even now, Lord, to, to meditate, to think on this, these words from the book of Joshua so that our lives might be successful before you. And I ask this because Jesus is deserving of, uh, of us giving you our all. We pray in his name. Amen. Thank you so much for listening this week. If you have any questions, you can email them to Pastor Jimmy at baconscastle.com. Also, check out our website at baconscastle.com to get to know us and see what God is doing locally here in Surrey. Be blessed. Thank you.